Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. We're here in the Middle East believe, indeed we know, that our region is the center of the universe. But for the world's leading power, it is an important theater, yet not its top priority. The policy of the United States is based on the idea that the overriding factor in global relations for the next generation or so is the strategic competition between the US and China, with Russia carving a niche of its own, but more in line with Beijing. American strategy in the Levant and the Persian Gulf now leans towards less presence and more reliance on allies and partners. What does it mean to this neighborhood and in particular for Israel? Joining us from Central Israel is Ambassador Dania Elon, who is the co-host of TV7 Middle East Review and Israel's former ambassador to the United States, as well as Deputy Foreign Minister and a lecturer at NYU. Thank you for joining us, sir. Pleasure. Also joining us from Jerusalem is Mr. Robert Silverman, who is a lecturer at Shalem College and former president of the American Foreign Service Association. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'd like also to uh, welcome our TV7 analyst and host of TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments pertaining to U.S. foreign policy, in particular to us, our region here. Well, as uh, both uh, Bob as producer and uh, Danny as a consumer uh, know from their own experience, uh, Washington is uh, basically a city of official documents prepared by the bureaucracy and um, uh, going all the way up to the president. And once he signs on these documents, this is policy and then it is translated uh, by the various um, ministries, agencies, uh, military arms, and so on. And everyone is waiting for the uh, national security doctrine, uh, which is uh, being drafted. Now, um, up and until this document is ready, um, we have an interim one, uh, which the uh, administration put out uh, once it was uh, in power. But also it is the continuation of uh, an earlier document uh, which President uh, Trump produced, but actually it was his first Secretary of Defense, James Mattis, uh, who drafted it. So there is a basic continuity in U.S. foreign policy as regards the so-called pivot to the uh, Far East or the uh, Indo-Pacific uh, theater, as it is called now, from Obama to Trump to Biden. And in this uh, uh, new order of priorities, the Middle East uh, is not so high. And this uh, uh, goes uh, from ends to means. If the Middle East uh, is less important, then there is no real need for presence. Uh, obviously, not only boots on the ground, but also aircraft on the ground, or even aircraft carriers near the ground. Because of uh, the new dogma in American foreign policy over the horizon. You don't have to be there. You can be in the neighborhood, in some proximity 
obviously you also have bombers and missiles in the United States proper, which you can um, uh, send over the horizon. So just to sum it up, the Middle East is significant, but not so much, not, not as it used to. And within this new thinking, Israel, as well as other partners, even if they are not officially allies, um, are supposed to coordinate between themselves and not only each one with the United States. And this is where the Abram Accords and uh, what transpired uh, over the last year come into play. Indeed. Before hearing Ambassador Ayalon with Israeli perspective to this uh, challenge, I'd like to ask you, Mr. Silverman, from the American perspective, how do you see this at this stage and to what degree does it impact the situation in the Middle East? Thank you, Jonathan. Well, I agree with Amir here because I've worked for uh, three presidents in a row who had the same general strategic priorities that Amir outlined, which was to, in Obama's words, pivot away, but also uh, starting Bill Clinton and, and even at the beginning of his administration, George uh, W.H.J.W. Uh, J.W. Bush also had an idea that uh, the Far East is is where the U.S. strategic um, priorities lie. However, to cite the famous uh, saying of the British Prime Minister, Harold Macmillan, when he was asked what is his biggest challenge as Prime Minister, he would say, events, dear boy, events. And the Middle East is where a lot of events happen of relevance to the U.S. We just had Afghanistan, which uh, was a major um, strategic failure in the way it was conducted, that withdrawal, that has emboldened Islamists throughout the world, and they create events. So yes, there's always a desire uh, to pivot away because it's, as Amir pointed out, the strategic priorities are sometimes somewhere else. However, the Middle East is an area that needs to be managed. And although there will be a, a reallocation, and there already has been, particularly of naval resources, um, there is always the idea that you need to manage the Middle East. And I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Ambassador Ayalon, how do you view it uh, from also your long years uh, of uh, policymaking from the foreign uh, perspective, foreign policy perspective from here in Jerusalem? Uh, is Israel concerned at this stage? And to what degree can we see the strategy converge, uh, that of the United States and of the state of Israel? Well, Jonathan, one, in one word, Israel is concerned. In two words, Israel is very concerned. And uh, I would say that uh, the more um, aggressive, almost violent rhetoric of China towards Taiwan, it seems like that will uh, kind of uh, have the American grips or it will draw the United States much more and much faster uh, and maybe in even a more intensive uh, capacities to the uh, to the Far East, uh, to the South China Sea, to bolster their alliances with uh, Japan and uh, and South Korea, maybe try to bring uh, India into the into the fold. And of course, uh, we know that they have already uh, signed their uh, quads agreement with uh, with Australia as well and and Canada. So this is of concern because the more they have to um, allocate resources and attention to uh, China and that part of the world, the less 
they uh, have time to to deal with the with the Middle East, uh, Israel, the Palestinians. We know that uh, this is a uh, a non-starter for uh, obvious reasons. But I think, and this is uh, in anticipation of um, the um, foreign minister of Israel and uh, alternate uh, prime minister Yair Lapid, his visit in uh, Washington these days, as we know, uh, I believe his main uh, objective would be to have the United States, to, to have them owned, you know, make ownership over the Abraham Accord. And uh, we've seen that towards that end, we, we've seen his uh, remarks here in Israel towards that end. Uh, we saw all his last visits, whether it was to Morocco and then to uh, to the Gulf, uh, visiting the um, uh, air carrier uh, Pearl Harbor together with his uh, counterpart from uh, uh, Bahrain. All this is trying to send messages to Washington. Listen, we are here. We need you. And as far as um, air carriers are uh, concerned, and uh, Amir brought it up very astutely, uh, I recall that um, I think the last one who maybe spoke about it was uh, former uh, Secretary Haig. If you recall, Alexander Haig, who termed Israel as the best air carrier uh, of the United States here in this area. And this was the tour, I mean, throughout the Reagan administration to, um, associate Israel and to, to relate to it as a great uh, bastion of not just a beacon of uh, democracy, but also as a great dependable ally for the United States. So I believe right now what Israel will try to achieve is to reassert the value of Israel in many, many ways to the United States, especially as the U.S. will not have too much resources to allocate here. So for that uh, reason, uh, I think um, what Lapid will try to leverage that is for advancing, of course, the um, the Iron Dome uh, missile supply that has been, uh, for many reasons, uh, not at all uh, associated with the bilateral relations Israel-U.S., but it has been uh, put on the uh, on the back burner. He will try to push that and to Indeed. even upgrade the defense cooperation with much more um, material and uh, American. Uh, technology and weapons for Israel here. Indeed. Mr. Oren, despite the U.S. pivot eastward, China is actually increasing its presence in the Middle East, and it's quite evident that it is not uh, deterred or is not aiming on, on pulling away. Rather, the, the less uh, the, or the, the less U.S. military forces are in the Middle East on the ground, uh, means less security and therefore would increase Chinese uh, reasoning to deploy additional forces to this region. So is this not to a certain degree contradictory to U.S. interests uh, on the long run? Well, um, let me answer by touching upon two uh, topics which Daniel Alon just mentioned. One is uh, Taiwan and the other is uh, aircraft carriers. Um, you know, the uh, poet John Donne used to say, uh, no man is an island. It turns out that um, no island is an island, uh, whether it's Cuba, whether it's uh, Cyprus, whether it's Tehran and Sanafir, which caused several conflicts between Israel and Egypt, and whether it's um, uh, Taiwan. 
for the time being, the Chinese are trying to enforce a sort of their own Monroe Doctrine. What happens in their own backyard or what they consider their strategic uh, sphere, a thousand miles South uh, China Sea, all of these reefs on which they build artificial airstrips and then claim that they are their own. And uh, they have not yet sent any military forces for uh, permanent presence abroad. They may have something uh, in the Red Sea um, or in the Indian Ocean, but this is uh, uh, not uh, a real threat. Their penetration uh, takes place economically. And um, one of the fascinating sites, which you can see if you um, uh, at any time go down from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv and go to the uh, headquarters of the Israeli Defense Forces, universally known as Hakiria, you see Chinese cranes atop residential buildings built on the very grounds of the Israeli Defense Forces, just adjacent to the military headquarters. And you can see um, Mao Yong, the uh, logo of uh, these uh, uh, Chinese giants, uh, hovering over the Israeli generals and defense uh, officials. And this is typical of what is happening uh, in transportation, in Israeli harbors, and in many other places. And the Chinese have very wisely managed to draw Iran and others into their orbit without sending one single soldier. Yes, they are sending weapons. They are selling weapons. They are not giving them away. So um, the uh, trajectory which one projects is that down the road, perhaps even during this decade, you know, um, an American admiral, Philip Davidson, said that he uh, uh, guesses that within the next five or six years, we are going to see a confrontation. But we're not there yet. And uh, we have to see whether the Chinese leader, Xi, is going to be succeeded by anyone and whether that successor will be more assertive, what is happening in the United States. This is still after the middle of this decade. But yes, Israel is going uh, to be squeezed by all of these giants. Indeed. And uh, with that being said, of course, with great power competition uh, also comes regional power competitions and, and uh, smaller competitions between uh, uh, neighbors sometimes. But uh, something that uh, just recently also the commander of uh, the strategic directorate in the IDF, uh, General Tal Kelman, uh, came out and said that uh, uh, in light of the great power competition, which the United States now started calling the strategic power competition, between the United States and China and uh, its own aligned members, uh, it seems like Iran and uh, the state of Israel are on a competition of their own with the Iranians, as Mr. Olin also correctly mentioned, uh, aligning itself with the Chinese in light of the fact that Israel, of course, is with the Americans and other aspects of uh, ideological and uh, strategic uh, significance. To what degree do you see uh, right now the United States pivoting also on the, the way it conducts its affairs in the Middle East from deploying troops on the ground or having uh, hardware on the ground utilized by its partners and allies? 
the U.S. is uh, the major uh, weapons supplier, of course, to both the, the Gulf countries, uh, Saudi Arabia in particular, and also to Israel and to Egypt. So um, that relationship will, will continue very strongly. Looking at the big picture, I would say, as we've both stated, both Danny and Amir and me have all stated that uh, there's this desire to uh, strategically realign resources, but events sometimes um, get in the way. However, two trends have happened in the last 10 years that reinforce this um, realignment. One of them is the traditional U.S. interest in um, oil, the free flow of oil from the Gulf is a huge U.S. interest. That has been somewhat diminished by the technology of the last 10 years that has made the U.S. by far the largest oil producer in the world because of the shell oil revolution. People sometimes don't necessarily connect the dots to the strategic and the foreign policy implications there. But the U.S. is energy independent, is an oil and gas exporter in a way it wasn't for many decades because of the shell oil and shell gas technological innovation. So that is reduced slightly, not completely, the uh, traditional U.S. interest in the free flow of, the, of uh, oil out of the Gulf. Still important, but slightly less. The other major trend, I would say, Jonathan, is, is the Abraham Accords and the emerging alliance between Israel and the Gulf countries. And uh, of course, there has always been this uh, for, for 40 years now, the relationship between Egypt and Israel and Jordan and Israel. But now it includes uh, key members of the Gulf. And if it also ends up including Saudi Arabia, which appears to, uh, happening slightly, uh, you know, it may take time, then the U.S. may feel that it, it can safely, uh, because the other major interest the U.S. has in the Middle East is uh uh, protecting its, its close friend and ally and strategic and moral partner, Israel. And if Israel has this big new relationship with the Gulf countries, perhaps the U.S. can really shift some attention and resources more to the Far East. So those, those two trends work in that direction. But as you mentioned, Jonathan, there's the Iran problem, and that fits into the category of events. Uh, who knows what Iran, under its new and very radical uh, president, will do? Um, of course, the ultimate uh, ruler, uh, um, you know, uh, Khamenei, is, is, is not changed. And so uh, it, it's unpredictable, and events will no doubt intervene to make sure that it, the Middle East remains, if not the predominant, maybe the single largest region of U.S. Uh, focus. Indeed. Ambassador Ayalon, you referred to Israel earlier as, uh, uh, or at least echoed the reference, uh, the American reference to Israel as uh, a carrier in the Middle East uh, or an onshore carrier uh, in the Middle East. With that being said, uh, Israel regards the United States as a strategic cushion, uh, uh, which uh, uh, provides it the backing necessary, first of all, to exist in this volatile region, but also, on the other hand, uh, the capacity to uh, act in, in a safe environment, in a stable environment, that then obviously consequently also uh, draws in foreign investment and, and allows it to prosper. How, how do you see this complexity uh, not being challenged now that the United States is eagerly pivoting eastward? Well, Jonathan, rightly so, you know, uh, the alliance, uh, which is a natural alliance between Israel and the United States, although it's not a formal uh, one, 
uh, is certainly one of the pillars, one of the two pillars uh, of Israel national security. Uh, it also adds to uh, Israel's uh, deterrence as well as to its uh, capabilities here uh, on the ground and also as a cushion, as you say, against any uh, kind of adverse to Israel uh, resolutions in the United Nations, especially at the Security Council. And uh, uh, the more uh, the U.S. is uh, looked upon by the region here as disassociating itself or disconnected, being disconnected from uh, the region, the um, I would say that the fear, the concern in Jerusalem here is that uh, maybe the decision makers in Washington will start looking at Israel in a different way, maybe lesser value on the one hand, and that of course will immediately reflect on the region where Israel's um, adversaries, be it Hezbollah or Iran or, or Hamas, uh, that could encourage them to be much bolder and to try and, uh, and trigger more um, strife and more actions against Israel. So this is something that Israel has to immediately uh, stop any notion of the United States, even though they are pivoting uh, from the uh, the Middle East to, uh, to I would say, to press or, or to um, relay to everyone that yes, even if the US is moving away from the United States for various, from the, um, the Middle East for the uh, various reasons, Israel here, is becoming not less important, but more important for the United States. And the ones who are looking at it very, very carefully are all the the, the Arab countries who has uh, formal or informal relations with Israel, uh, starting, of course, with uh, uh, Egypt and, and Jordan and, of course, the Gulf countries and, and Saudi Arabia. We see now, and the factor of Iran that, uh, that Bob mentioned is very, very um, uh, important. Because if Iran is perceived gaining uh, stature and gaining uh, um, power and influence, we may see those countries trying to maybe move away from this Abraham Accord towards Iran. We see already that in Saudi Arabia, they're thinking about, uh, and, and there were some uh, also talks about trying to uh, uh, mend or, or um, better relations with Iran. We see that Jordan and Egypt uh, for many reasons, are now hooking up with uh, Syria as far as uh, gas uh, uh, supply. All these things here are now very up in the air. So this is why it is very important uh, in a speedy way for Israel and the United States to cement the Abraham Accord and for the United States and Israel, again, to, uh, to up very much its uh, the, the defense cooperation. I think it's safe to say that we should remain quite skeptical about the uh, relationship between Saudi Arabia and Iran, considering the fact that for two diplomats, this is well known, when diplomats stop talking, guns start blazing, and it's better mm -hmm. to talk even though you don't like the person you're talking with, especially when the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia already announced that unless Iran uh, dissolves all of its... Uh, terror armies and support for terrorism, uh, there's not going to be any normalization. Mr. Owen? Well, God forbid that we lose Iran as a threat and as a, a common denominator or glue between um, the various uh, uh, intended victims. Um, the problem uh, with these uh, alliances, uh, the military side of the alliances, uh, is that 
one cannot really rely on the armed forces of these countries because they have uh, shiny new weapons and they sent uh, some of their pilots and officers uh, uh, to school uh, in the United States. But they don't have uh, enough modern maintenance. Uh, they rely on uh, Western, mostly American, contractors who are going to be evacuated uh, when the first shot is heard. And we saw in Afghanistan what happens when the Americans leave. The entire structure already falls. Now, as for the other uh, point regarding uh, energy, which uh, Bob raised, it is true that uh, the uh, situation changed dramatically since 1973, the uh, oil embargo and oil price hike, which, is, which was uh, uh, no less uh, frightening. And there were contingency plans there for the Americans to occupy um, Abu Dhabi and Dubai, the very places where Israel uh, is now uh, a welcome uh, guest. And uh, from that time on, there was a sort of a seesaw, APEC versus OPEC, the so-called Israeli or Jewish lobby versus the oil-producing countries. So it is true that the United States, per se, is now uh, independent, but not so Western Europe and Japan. And Western Europe is dependent on Russian energy. So uh, whichever way you look at it, the problem is still there. With that being said, uh, very shortly, Mr. Oren, just recently there was a uh, panel uh, or an, a Q&A session of the Middle East Institute where uh, the uh, Deputy Undersecretary of Defense and uh, the person also in charge of strategy planning, including uh, the posture review uh, of the United States, uh, spoke at length about the situation in the Middle East and uh, U.S. Uh, uh, perspective towards the Middle East. What can you tell us shortly about that? Well, Mara Kalin uh, indeed came back uh, to the Pentagon. She's uh, under Colin Carl, the Undersecretary for Policy, important players. She's waiting. They are all waiting for the President and Secretary Blinken. And the President and the Secretary are waiting for the budget to be passed in the Israeli Knesset. Because uh, until that happens next month, Israel uh, is not going to undertake any significant initiative. Indeed. Well, uh, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Mr. Silverman, Ambassador Ayalon, for being part of today's uh, program. And I'd like to thank Mr. Oren as well. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.